This is Daniel Gallardo, and you're listening to the Tenkara Cast, a podcast about the simple Japanese method of fly fishing, Tenkara. In the Tenkara Cast, we'll be sharing information on techniques, history, philosophy, and Tenkara stories from anglers all over the world. This podcast is brought to you by Tenkara Yosei, introducing Tenkara outside of Japan since 2009. It's only possible we create content such as this podcast and videos because of your support. So we thank you so very much for purchasing Tenkara Yosei rods, lines, and flies. I hope you enjoy learning more about the simple method of fly fishing. Hello, hello, Tenkara Cast listeners and fans.、Uh, it's so nice to be back here recording another episode of the Tenkara Cast. Thank you so much for not giving up on us, not giving up on the Tenkara Cast.、Uh, the episodes have not been as frequent as I'd like. It's been a little while, of course,、uh, since I recorded the last episode of these podcasts.、Um, but a lot has gone on, a lot of material、uh, has come up to my mind about things that I want to talk about because it's been an interesting. Interesting、uh, couple of months here since I last spoke to you. My last episode was on living on the road, where my wife and I and our dog Shiso took off on a month long or so,、uh, just under a month long trip in our new、uh, van. And we had a lot of fun on that. We made it home safely. We learned a few things. I,、uh, I know I promised I was going to try to take some photographs of、uh, the van and videos, and we have, but I have not had a chance to kind of go through those yet. Um, after we got back, soon after we got back, we、uh, experienced the solar eclipse, the total solar eclipse、uh, in near Casper, Wyoming. And that was a fishing trip、uh, as well as a trip to see the solar eclipse. So that was immediately after we got back home. And then、uh, there was a couple little weeks' break almost, but I had to go to California for an event,、uh, some speaking engagements. And then we had the Tenkara Summit. So, tons of stuff has happened, and I want to cover some of those things and a few things that I've learned、um, uh, since that trip in terms of fishing and、uh, other things as well. But starting at the beginning, since the last time I spoke with you,、uh, we had the experience、uh, with the solar eclipse. And that was really, really cool. I,、uh, I just cannot speak enough of how. Interesting, it was how、um, thrilling it was to witness the totality, the 100% solar eclipse. I did not know exactly what to expect kind of going into it. You know, I think like a lot of people had seen solar eclipses before, but this is the first time when I saw the 100% solar eclipse. And I will tell you this right now if you ever have a chance in your lifetime to go see totality, Go wherever you have to go to see it, please, because it was incredible. The next solar eclipse that's going to happen here is going to be in 2024, but I'm already planning to go to Argentina or Chile in 2019 and 2020 to see it. I, yes, I totally got the bug.、Um, so the next eclipses are going to happen in Argentina and Chile,、uh, right going right through Patagonia, and one of them is going to be in the middle of winter、uh, or in the beginning of winter. In 2019. The other one is in the middle of summer in 2020.、Uh, and I'm talking about their summer and their winter. So, December 2019, June or July 2020. And I'm already making plans to go there and to fish and to climb and just to spend time、uh, targeting large fish and seeing the solar eclipse again. 
Um, pretty incredible. But the trip that we had here was really cool. Uh, several months before the eclipse happened, I got an email from uh, one of my friends in Japan, uh, Mr. Tanaka, and he really wanted to come see the eclipse uh, with a friend of his. Uh, they had actually already seen the eclipse before uh, in, I forget which country, I think it was in China. No, that one they got clouded, but they had gone and they had seen an eclipse before and they wanted to travel all around the world uh, the world, uh, to witness the eclipse again and I totally understand now why. So they contacted me a few months before the eclipse and they wanted to come here asking, and they asked me if I was planning to go watch the eclipse and as a matter of fact, I was. And they are fishing contacts of mine, so uh, I just turned out that I was going to go witness the eclipse in a very good fishing area in Wyoming uh, near Casper on the North Platte River. So we made arrangements. They came over. Uh, two other people got added to the trip last minute. So it was four people visiting us from Japan uh, to fish and to witness the solar eclipse. Uh, the day before, uh, we got there a couple of days before the eclipse and uh, got into a really nice campsite. And Mark Bolson, who works with me here at Tenkari Jose, reserved for us uh, by getting there several days earlier. And was right on the uh, on a stretch in the North Platte. Uh, we took kind of one day just kind of resting and just hanging out. The next day, we went fishing at Fremont Canyon area. Um, and as expected, there was tons of people there. Uh, you know, everybody was from all over the world was, uh, near Casper to witness the eclipse, which is going right through there. And the North Platte River was pretty crowded, but I think nobody really held that against our anglers. We were not upset. You know, it was something to be expected. Um, everybody had pretty much a couple of good pools to fish, uh, and that was enough. It was, a uh, so we did have enough water. But I did have an interesting fishing experience that I wanted to share with you. So we caught some really good fish by the end of it. I'll see if I post a couple of photos on the podcast page for this episode. Um, and I might call this episode the Eclipse and Tenkara Summit episode. So if you want to look it up, go to tenkarayosea.com forward slash podcast and look for the Eclipse and Tenkara Summit episode. Uh, but in any case, so the times that I had been on the North Platte, near Casper. Um, the fishing was very difficult uh, in terms of the approach of using just one fly. didn't usually work as well as um, changing flies and knowing kind of what worked. So the times that I had been there, I fished the North Platte River in different stretches around there with my good friend Doug Haggart. And I do want to take a quick moment to uh, share the unfortunate news that Doug uh, has passed away not too long ago, uh, and a big part of the trip was really kind of in honor of him. The, uh, his untimely passing happened a very short period of time before the eclipse, and I was going back there with a pretty heavy heart, but Doug was in our uh, hearts and thoughts the entire time. It was uh, because I had some incredible experiences fishing there with him. So uh, my thoughts going to Doug and um, you know his family and good friends. A lot of you who listen to this podcast might know him as well. He's a he was a guide and terrific friend for us here in Boulder. Um, but in any case, so the times that I had been there, uh, I fished with Doug Haggard, and I used the Tenkara flies, uh, and I also noticed that Doug, knowing the water as well as he did, and having the flies that kind of he knew would work, had much more luck. So I've talked. I talked in the past, uh, especially in a video that I made about 
the one fly philosophy working about 99% of the times. And the reason I say 99% of the times is because I've estimated for that I fish with essentially one fly pattern for about 400 days of fishing. Out of those, there was about four days. Actually, there was exactly four days that I can recall uh, where somebody was clearly catching more fish than I was um, by doing something different, usually usually a different rig, but also different flies. Out of those four days, three days were on the North Platte. Um, so it was a it's a river that uh, you know even though I had caught some fish uh, using tenkata flies, caught some very large size trout there. Um, the times that I went there with Doug, he had something else and he was clearly working better. So I switched and I used whatever flies he kind of recommended. I don't recall the names of the flies now, but they're usually like tiny little midges, you know, size 20. Um, I was like little nymphs. And so when I got there for this trip, right before the eclipse, I, um, you know, I was kind of apprehensive about it because I was bringing about, you know, four friends from Japan and I wanted to get them to have a good time, wanted to get them into fish. So for the first time in about eight years, I actually bought flies. So for the first time in eight years, I went to uh, the fly shop um, near the Gray Reef area and I... Uh, you know, I looked at the flies that they had. They had a really good selection of flies. And I bought the flies that I remember Doug showing us. Uh, and I also added a few extra, about probably, I don't know, 15, 20 flies almost. And um, just in case something was working, I could give it to people and that kind of thing. And I bought the ones that I remember Doug recommended. bought a couple of the guy that had been fishing there uh, also recommended. And I was like, okay, this is the time. We only have one day of fishing. I'm going to have this just-in-case flies. Uh, we're going to get into fish. And, uh, you know, it felt weird to kind of put all these little nymphs and also put, like, uh, you know, some large kind of flies, like usually nymphs. Most, almost all the flies were nymphs that I bought, except for a few little mid, uh, dry mid midges that I bought as well. Uh, but it felt kind of strange to put them in my box. But I had no hesitation to do it. You know, I just wanted to cover our bases. Uh, I didn't think about it ahead of the trip. There was too much going on. So I had to buy some flies. And we get to the uh, Fremont Canyon area, actually above the canyon, for those who are familiar, uh, in the meadowy kind of area. And we start fishing. It was actually a group of six of us, or seven of us, I think it was, because it was Mark, myself, uh, my wife, Margaret, and four people from Japan. Uh, we all kind of take, you know, a little spot. Uh, we split a couple of the pools and took about two pools, three pools uh, from the area. And the guys are using their, you know, Tenkara flies. Uh, I think uh, Mr. Tanaka had a size 12 uh, kebari. And in my part of the, the river there, I was experimenting nonstop. I was doing something that I really absolutely hate doing, which is second-guessing my fly, cho fly choice every few casts, uh, which is to change flies all the time. I absolutely hate doing that. That's part of the reason the one-fly philosophy appeals so much to me. But I really kind of wanted to see what was going to work, see if there was a clear um, fly that was going to work better. After several minutes of fishing uh, and trying all these different flies, uh, we had the first fish in our group, and it was not mine. It was actually Mr. Tanaka who had this brown kebari, just like a, an, a, an Amano kebari-style fly, but brown thread. And he hooked a beautiful 20-inch fish, 
And I, um, we actually didn't really have a lot of nets between us. We, uh, I forgot to bring an extra net, uh, for a river that requires a big, you know, big nets. And I grabbed Mark's net and I ran down the river to help him net the fish. And as soon as I got there, the fish got off the hook and, uh, he lost the first one. But it was like those, Really, really cool to see that somebody finally hooked a fish after, I think it took about 10 minutes. Uh, not too long, actually. Uh, and it was an Tenkata fly. So I kind of go back to my station, and I'm still, you know, now I'm going to try my Tenkata fly. Uh, and I try something really small, and then I try something a little bit larger. Um, and then a little bit downstream from us again, I think it was Margaret that hooked the second fish and she also had a Tenkata fly. <laughs> so here I am wasting all this time changing flies and trying out these little nymphs that I had, you know, bought and I was not having any luck with those. Uh, but the people using the Tenkata flies were having great luck. Um, so I finally decided to put on a Tenkata fly, uh, size 12, very light color, and I ended up hooking about four fish. Uh, the smallest of them was 17 inches. Uh, hooked a couple. There were about 20 to 21 inch fish. So there you go. More of the story is I tried. I was very open minded. I tried the flies that I thought could work really well. And at the end of the day, the Tenkata flies are the ones that panned out. Uh, every I think everybody in our group actually hooked a fish. We did lose a lose a couple. Um, but we had fish on our hooks and all of them were actually caught on the Tenkata fly. None of them were caught on the surface, uh, as far as I know. Uh, they're all just below the surface. There was no rising fish that we saw. It's a, you know, a river where the fish tend to stay a little bit deeper. Um, but it's not a particularly deep stretch. So we were able to get the flies close enough to the fish to hook them. Um, so yeah, that was, a. Very interesting experience. Um, you know, one time, uh, it seems like I said, uh, Mark Cole actually mentioned that one time I was giving a clinic and I said that the one fly thing works until it doesn't. Uh, so far, out of 400 days of fishing, I've had four days that it didn't work. Uh, this other time was not one of them. So the Tenkata fly worked beautifully on fish that are considered to be very, very picky. Some people might call them educated because they get fair amount of pressure. Um, so there you go. Uh, I second-guessed myself for quite a bit of time that day, and uh, and I continued second-guessing myself the entire day, even after we hooked some fish. But I kept going back to Tenkata flies, and those are the only ones that produced, actually. Um, very interesting experience. So that was the, uh, the eclipse. After the eclipse, I went to California to talk to a couple of the fly fishing clubs out there. Uh, had a good time, just kind of quick in-and-out trip. But then the more exciting thing that just happened was the Tenkata Summit, which happened this last weekend, September 16th. It was our sixth annual, or I'm not going to call it annual anymore because uh, we're still in the process. We skipped one year. We're still trying to figure out if we're going to do it every year or maybe skip a year uh, and do it every two years. But in any case, we hosted our sixth Tenkata Summit and by far the most successful event we have put together uh, this time was really exciting. We had uh, some terrific speakers, um, we, uh, including uh, Yvonne Chouinard. Uh, they are our competitor at Patagonia. They are selling competitor. You know, they're competing with us. They're selling their own Tenkata rods. Uh, but I invited Mr. Yvonne Chouinard to come and speak to us about his Tenkata uh, and as, as well as conservation. And the main 
thing that we talked about, you know, um, was the fact that Tenkara is bringing about so many new uh, anglers. And if we love something, he says, you know, if we if we love something, we fight to protect it. And the fact that Tenkara is bringing so many new people to the sport of fly fishing is making people pay attention to their local waters, to the rivers, and fight to protect it, whether it's protecting the threats that the river sees from global warming. Uh, for example, South Boulder Creek here, you know, goes through periodic uh, droughts. And if things, um, if we start getting drier and drier, it's going to be even worse in the future. So if we love South Boulder Creek here in Boulder, we're going to fight and we're going to pay attention and we're going to fight to make it um, stay healthy. And or whether it's to uh, protect it from trash, you know, when people pick it up. So we hold a lot of... Uh, uh, different cleanups and people start noticing the trash when they're fishing and they start picking it up on their way out, which is great. Uh, or whether it's to fight uh, for the rivers that we love because uh, access to them might be taken away uh, in, in case of like the public lands access issue that we're having right now. Uh, it's a real threat. You know, there's a lot of uh, different areas that are under revision by Secretary Zinke right now. And are at immediate threat of being taken away from us, uh, areas that contain beautiful fisheries included. Um, so I'm going to take a quick second um, to ask you to, uh, you know, there's a lot of different kind of petitions out there, but the main thing is call your, your senator and express uh, the fact that you're not very pleased. Call your uh, congressman and express the fact that you're not pleased with uh, the your potential public lands that we all own be taken away. In any case, that's my soapbox for now, but Chenard had a great speech. We're going to be posting that online pretty soon here uh, where we have been posting little bits in the last couple of days uh, from the summit on the Facebook page and our website as well, com. So keep an eye out for that. We, you're going to be able to watch all, uh, his entire presentation. Another speaker that we had was uh, Dr. Ishigaki, who came again all the way from Japan to talk to the member, uh, to the attendees of the Tenkara Summit. So we're going to be posting his uh, presentation as well very shortly. This time we had 300 people attending. It was mind blown, uh, mind blowing. It was just incredible. I had been fully expecting 150 people. That was the number that we were targeting. Usually we get, you know, 110 to 130. I think the, the last one in 2015, we had just shy of 150 people. And so I had been fully planning for 150 people. All of a sudden, I started looking at the registration numbers, and we were like at 240. And then we had almost 60 walk-ins. Um, so we had just about 300 people come in to the Tenkara Summit, which was phenomenal. Uh, I had an incredibly good time with uh, all the people that helped us put the event together. We had a great crew of volunteers uh, and staff members, and I'd like to take a quick second to thank everybody for pitching in, helping, you know, either – uh, with the food planning, like my wife did, uh, with the registrations, with the Tenkara USA table, with the lights and the sound. Uh, there was a lot of little logistics to be done, and everybody handled the event really, really well. So thank you all for um, pitching in, and thank you all for uh, who came to the Tenkara Summit as well. I, I heard from a lot of you uh, who came that you listened to this podcast and you were missing an episode. So here I am doing it one uh, for you because you asked for it. Uh, I, uh, when I asked 
where people came from, how many people are out of state, uh, almost half of the room raised their hands. So a lot of people travel from all over the United States. We also had a visitor from Norway. Uh, people came from all over the place to attend our sixth Tenkara Summit. And that was a true honor that people would spend their time, their money uh, to attend one of our events. And it was really fun. So we had presentations in the morning. At noon, we broke out for lunch. We had a couple of food trucks um, and then vendor time. And then we also had clinics like Dr. Shigaki and Adam Trahan uh, both held a fly casting clinic together with Tenkara Rods, of course. Adam brought in this really cool game, you know, target practicing uh, practice game that he brought uh, for uh, showing how, how to get better at, at casting. And then Dr. Shigaki did a demonstration. We also had people helping with fly tying, and we had people helping with rigging. So really fun. We are definitely going to do another one. Don't know yet when, so stay tuned for that one. <laughs> uh, but let me talk about fishing for a moment. So I've been talking your years off for, wow, 20 minutes already. Sorry, guys. Hopefully uh, you're okay sitting in a car, not too tired of my voice, because now I'm going to talk about fishing. Um, so Dr. Shigaki came uh, the week before. Uh, the Tenkara Summit took place. And, you know, it's, as I always say, the Tenkara Summit is probably first and foremost an excuse for people to go fishing somewhere new. And it started because I wanted to give Dr. Shigaki an excuse to come to the United States in 2011. So this time it was an excuse for him to come fishing with us. And he came to Colorado. That was the second visit here, uh, or third visit actually to the United uh, to Colorado to fish. And this time, unfortunately, we had a real hard time catching a lot of fish. I uh, I feel really bad for Dr. Shigaki. We had a very hard time. And that's what I wanted to talk about in terms of fishing today. For almost an entire week, he arrived on Monday. Uh, we did not fish on Monday, but we fished on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and part of Friday. Uh, and every day was tough, man. Um, it was probably one of the toughest weeks of fishing I've ever had. And it was... It's really tough because, um, you know, here I have a guest and I want to have him have a good time, uh, put him into fish, uh, and didn't put him into a lot of fish. We got some, you know, and we cut fish every day, but definitely not a ton. And that's probably why I'm not a guide. It's, uh, there's a lot of pressure there. Uh, you know, I would feel awful if we're not getting a lot of fish. And so the first day we fished Rocky Mountain National Park, um, and we were joined by David, who uh, backed the Kickstarter project for my book. Uh, so that was one of the backers for having a day of fishing with me. And uh, Dr. Shigaki, David, and I went out to Rocky Mountain National Park fishing. And we fished Moraine Park, uh, which a lot of our listeners probably are familiar with. It's one of the more popular, maybe pressured stretches. And we went kind of high up on it. Um any time that I fished there in the past, I've had, you know, really good days. Uh, but this time we caught a fish here and there. We caught a few brookies and Dr. Shigaki caught one cutthroat, which was really cool. And we caught a few browns as well. Uh, but really not as many, you know, it was pretty slow. We have a lot of pools that we wouldn't catch a fish. And the interesting thing, like I, I thought about it, I've done a couple of episodes in the past where I talk about excuses you can use when you don't catch fish. And I've learned what I'm going to say is a new one. So, uh, you know, it's probably, it might have been something completely different. It might have been us, but 
Um, I don't think so because it was three of us. We we're getting really good drifts. We had, you know, a combination of different types of flies. I mean, they're tenkata flies. Uh, but you know, I don't think the fly was really the problem because we were getting some fish. Um, but after not catching fish for quite a while, feeling a little bit frustrated, I noticed two river otters that were out and about, uh, on the river and they were kind of come in and out of different nests. And I added a new excuse, river otters, to my list of reasons I may have not kept, caught as many fish. Uh, and then David also saw two other ones. So I suspect that the river otters were putting the fish down or even eating them, you know, and kind of keeping them really scared of coming up for flies or potentially even have reduced the population in a few of the pools. I, uh, I did think that a few of the pools didn't have as many fish as I usually see. And that's okay. I, uh, you know, the river otters are part of a healthy ecosystem. We don't need to get rid of them. I uh, uh, want to make that very clear. Sometimes sportsmen uh, say that we have to get rid of certain animals to keep other ones. I think the the habitat there is pretty well balanced, even if it means we don't catch as many fish as we might have otherwise. Uh, so that was my excuse for that day. And we went to a different river uh, in the park as well. And that one, the water is running really, really low. So there was a good number of fish. We'd, saw, we'd see them. Uh, we caught a few, but you have to be incredibly stealthy. And we spooked them very easily because the water is very, very clear, very, very low. Uh, so very slow fishing at the second part of our day there in the park. The next day, we uh, went and fished. Uh, where did we fish? Oh, the second day, we hung out mostly around Boulder. So that was actually a good day of fishing. We uh Fish, South Boulder Creek, uh, close to home, El Dorado Canyon, one of my favorite pieces of water because of the rock climbing cliffs. Uh, I won't say the fishing is always terrific there. Uh, it's just beautiful. And uh, we caught enough fish to keep us happy, so that was pretty fun. Uh, we only had a, probably two or three hours of fishing that day because then we were – Dr. Shigaki was very jet-lagged. He was feeling the effects of the altitude uh, so we mostly kind of chilled. We just wanted to, uh, to rest a good amount that day as well. Uh, but we got some good fishing in. So that was a decent day. The third day of fishing, we went to the dream stream, which is a blue ribbon, you know, gold medal kind of water, uh, near 11 mile can, uh, 11 mile Canyon and 11 mile reservoir here. And that was a very disappointing day. Uh, I probably should have talked to people, see how he was fishing, but I wanted to put Dr. Shigaki into larger fish, and I wanted to get him to catch those large fish in clear water. So that's one of those places where you can see some large fish. You can do some do some sight fishing. Um, and, you know, there's other places you can do that, but that was like one place that, you know, it takes a group okay. So I decided uh, we were going to take the trip there. We had John, TJ, my friend Tim, Margaret, Dr. Shigaki um, join us. And, you know, the tough thing about that one is that we drove over two and a half hours uh, to try to have a good time. And we ended up catching very, very few fish. And pretty much all of them were small. Uh, you know, I think the biggest one might have been about 12, 13 inches uh, that we caught, if that. Uh, so a little bit disappointing, you know, because uh, you have the expectation of catching some larger fish. Um, and nothing was really working. And that was a, an interesting day as well because – so we tried – so especially my friend Tim who was with us. He had a 
good full fly box where he could try just about everything, and he did. Uh, he spent a lot of time experimenting in really good pools. He had like tiny little nymphs. He had some big ter terrestrials. Um, he had some dry flies that floated well. I mean, you name it, and he, he tried it. Uh, and you know, and then we had the Tenkara flies. Most of the group was using Tenkara flies. And none of us across the board did particularly well. I think Tim might have caught a couple of extra fish, um, but he was also fishing longer. <laughs> he fished harder that day too. He, he was the first person in the water, didn't take that much of a break, and the last person out. Margaret just kept one fly on the, the entire time. She had three fish. Um, I only had one fish. I had a couple of bites, and I lost them. Uh hate to admit it, you know, but I had one fish and I think Dr. Shigaki had two. So we're talking about very low numbers, all of them small fish that just happened to take her fly. So that was disappointing. Um, honestly, don't know what uh, happened there. Um, we did see some good-sized fish. They were not feeding at all. They were just kind of hanging um, down below. So whatever larger size fish we saw... They didn't seem to be feeding, so there's something going on. Maybe maybe the river would have turned on later in the evening, but we had to kind of leave and drive back so that we could start play, uh, you know, setting the Tenkara Summit up the next day. So many days of tough fishing. And the last day was on Friday, the day before the Tenkara Summit. Um, another very tough day. We fished the Big Thompson uh, below the dam in Estes Park. And it was a very large group of us because uh, many people were coming in to help set up for the Tenkara Summit. Uh, so we had Dr. Shigaki again. We had TJ, John. Uh, we had a good crew. I'm not going to name everybody, but it was probably 10 of us. And and our styles varied a lot. I mean, uh, some of us kind of st stuck with one fly. Uh, some, a couple of the guys were using like heavy nymphs, like check nymphing style. Uh, some of, a couple of the guys were also like matching the hatch, like really trying like everything that they could think of. So we had a really, we covered our bases really well in terms of the fly and, um, nobody really caught a lot of fish. Uh, we caught one or two, you know, like we only fished for about three hours. Um, it was very, very frustrating cause we saw some fish, you know, feeding, uh, in a couple of areas and we'd hook one but get tons of rejections no matter what we're tossing at them, no matter the you know, the the size of tippet, the uh the flies, it was really, really tough fishing. And you know, if we had been just Dr. Shigaki and I, um, you know, I'd say, Well, we're not changing flies, maybe that's why, but the fact that we had about ten of us and trying all the different styles and nobody was catching more fish than the other people uh, just kind of made it uh, me think that there's something else going on. I mean, we we caught a couple, but not that many. Nothing to write home about. Um, the cool thing about having a master, you know, as I'll call Dr. Shigaki, somebody who's been fishing for decades and who's got tons of experience in kind of fishing. Uh, the cool thing about having a master along is that it kind of gives you a little bit of extra confidence that you're not doing things wrong. Uh, sometimes it's not entirely up to you. You know, the, that's the thing about fishing. Um, one of my favorite things is that we call it fishing. We don't call it catching because we're not in control over uh, over it the whole time. It's uh, Sometimes the fish are, you know, way pickier. Sometimes they might be keyed in on the tiny, tiny drag that you might have. Um, 
who knows? Um, the fish that I did catch that day, I caught using a larger tinkata fly size, like eight amount of fly. But I only caught the fish when I was targeting like this really calm water along the other bank. Uh, and it was very small pools of water. So in the bigger pools where the water is a slightly slower, uh, I got tons of rejections, no matter how good my drift was. Um, the the ones that I had ended up hooking were closer to faster water. I think that, that's the only way that I was able to get into fish myself that day. Um, Dr. Shigaki did hook a couple of fish using Tinkata flies on the slower pools, but maybe it was just a couple of fish that were willing to take something, you know, uh, who knows. So it sounds a little depressing just because, yeah, tough day, of, tough week of fishing. And that culminated yesterday when I had another Kickstarter backer uh, join me on a day of fishing. And I took him to a couple of different, three different pieces of water, actually. Uh, Boulder Creek and then a couple that I'm not going to name. Uh, we did okay in Boulder Creek. Not great. Cut a couple. Uh, but I think we didn't catch as many because probably uh, it had been fished a little bit before we got there. That's my suspicion. And then the other stretches, we cut a few as well, but not as many as I expected. And my reason for that one is that the water level is incredibly, incredibly low. Um, they're um, you know, regulating, I think, the water higher upstream. And unlike the Big Thompson on Friday, which was running really, really high, uh, that was actually another re uh, one of the things that made it challenging for us to catch fish. The waters closer to Boulder that I fished yesterday were incredibly low. As a matter of fact, the lowest I've ever seen them. Um, you know, in one of the waters, it made it really tough. The other piece of water, you seem to concentrate the, the fish in a few pools. So we ended up hooking a few uh, towards the end, the end of the day, a few more than I had been catching earlier. So, you know, that's it. That's fishing. Uh, we don't have – I don't have answers. I uh, I think anybody who says they have the answers for why they are catching fish or not um, – you know, in every condition, I think oftentimes they, uh, they're they making it up. Uh, sometimes there's just no clear reason. Sometimes there's clear reasons. It might be a river otter. It might be that the water is really low and the fish are staying down or getting spooky. Um, and other times, like on the dream stream, I have no idea what was happening really. Um, so I think I've learned a few things, uh, you know, like the experience before the eclipse kind of gave me more confidence even that the fly is usually not that big a deal. Um, you know, I've also learned, of course, uh, as I've always known, drift, you know, is always uh, key or sometimes it's absolutely key uh, to hooking fish in difficult conditions. Um, yeah, so there's a lot to be said. I'm going to have to digest this <laughs> a little bit more. Um, you're probably getting tired of listening to my voice in, uh, you know, 34 minutes here. Maybe not. I, um, uh, my plan for the next several episodes of the podcast is going to be talking about, um, different regions around the country where Tenkata is very appropriate for. I want to talk to the guides in our network, uh, and, just kind of cover destinations around the country. Um, so stay tuned for the next ones. I want to kind of start getting, instead of just me rambling throughout the podcast and, you know, uh, that kind of thing, I want to kind of give you more insights on 
fishing in different areas. So I'm going to, if you're one of the guides in our network, please send me an email uh, so that we can connect and record a podcast in a few weeks here. Um, I'm actually just about to take off for uh, three weeks. Uh, we're going to be, Margaret and I are celebrating our 10th anniversary and we're going to be going to Europe for three weeks and I'm really excited about that. I'm actually, we're leaving Friday morning. Our dog is staying back. We're having somebody house set for us, take care of the house and the dog. Uh, but we're going to be there. Uh, you know, I promise what, Margaret, it's not going to be a fishing trip. So we're doing the touristy stuff. It's her first time visiting Europe. We're going to go to France and uh, Belgium, Switzerland, and a lot of time in Spain. I'm definitely going to take Tenkata Rod with me. Um, um, uh, we released a new rod. It's a soft launch of a rod, as I'm calling uh, during the Tenkara Summit. It's the Hane 2. So we did a, a rod many years ago with backpacking light called the Hane. I decided to revisit that one. It's a short collapsed length rod, uh, under 16 inches. It's about 15 inches collapsed. So it fits in a little day pack, fits in any of our little carry-ons that we're taking. Uh, so that's the rod that I'm going to be testing out. Um, just to let you know, you cannot get a, a hold of the rod right now. So we did a soft launch at the summit. Uh, we are going to be gathering feedback from the community that was there, uh, seeing what worked, what doesn't. Um, and then after I come back, we'll see what's, uh, what's happening with the rods. And we may add it to our lineup of rods permanently. We'll see how that goes. We'll be uh, collaborating with people and trying to get good data so that we can make a very, very good rod before we release it publicly. Uh, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> uh, in any case, um, stay tuned for the next episodes of the Tenkata cast. And, um, oh, I also want to welcome Adam Tran to our team. I uh, almost forgot about that, Adam. Uh, Adam is joining us. He, a lot of you probably know him. He runs the website tenkata-fisher.com. And and he's been a very active member of the online community for many years. And before that, he had the website smallstreams.com uh, forum. And we brought Adam officially on board at Tenkara USA to help us with the online community. And so Adam is going to be creating content, curating content from the community, um, posting you know different interviews things that he has created in the past and is going to create in the future and going to continue moderating the forum as well as the facebook page tenkara anglers uh the facebook facebook group tenkara anglers so welcome adam to the team adam is going to be getting up to speed in the next few weeks here and uh so don't throw too much of him right now <laughs> uh, but we're gonna hopefully have some really good kick-ass content coming on our blog uh, try to have something frequent for you guys to digest and read and enjoy in the word of Tenkara. So that's it for my long rambling today. Uh, hopefully you've been having some good fishing. Um, you know, fall season is kind of in the air right now. Uh, my favorite time of year to fish for sure. Uh, send us photos. Uh, tag us on Instagram. Tag Tenkara USA on Instagram. Uh, connect with us on Facebook. Um, I'd love to hear from you. If you have any suggestions for future episodes of the Tenkata cast, would love, love, love to hear those because uh, uh, I want to do stuff that you guys want to listen to. I don't want to just keep rambling here. So let me know what you're interested in. You can put comments on the podcast page. You can let us know via Facebook or email us at info at USA. Thank you all so very much for continuing to support Tenkata USA in our efforts to bring 
information about Tenkara uh, in our efforts to bring the Tenkara Summit uh, to you, create good products. Really appreciate you guys all buying Tenkara USA gear so that we can continue doing the fun stuff that we do. So thank you so very much for that. I'd like to extend a special thank you to Nick Ogawa, also known as Takenobu. Check out his music at takenobumusic.com. We'll be posting links to any references we made in this podcast, such as Takenobu's music, on our website, www.tenkarausa.com forward slash podcast. And until next time, on the Tenkara Cast. <laughs>